What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins in Depth Podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. Quick reminder before we start, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like the Miami Herald YouTube page. Uh, like, share, comment below. Um, we are finally here after a long, active, fun off season for the Dolphins. Uh, they start training camp Wednesday, holding their first full team practice. We're going to hear from Mike McDaniel. We're going to hear from several players. Um, and I know Dolphins fans all around are extremely, extremely excited. And since we have reached the end of the offseason, we're going to wrap up uh, with our training camp preview of the defensive side of the ball. Last week, we were talking offense. Um, I gave some storylines that I was looking out for, my roster projection on offense. And now we're going to wrap up with defense, which um, obviously did not get uh, the attention that the offensive side of the ball did um, during the offseason with all the moves that they made. Uh, but still an interesting, interesting position uh, group, um, nonetheless, just for the fact that they they sought continuity after uh, firing Brian Flores and keeping Mike McDaniel. Uh, they resigned all 11 starters that that finished uh, or they retained all 11 starters, I should say, that finished the 2021 season. They retained defensive coordinator Josh Boyerns, as well as several of his defensive assistants. Uh, so this is definitely a group um, that entered, you know, the offseason workout program, um, you know, hitting the ground running. They they knew everyone they knew each other's faces each other's tendencies um it's gonna be interesting to see if they can keep that same level of play that we saw in the second half of the season when they uh went on that eight and one run to finish the season um but like last week i'm gonna start with some storylines and then in the second half i will give you my roster projection who i think makes the team and maybe who doesn't make the team um but first the first storyline that i'm looking out for is do we see any new wrinkles? I mean, this is the, this is the one thing that I'm really, really interesting to, interested to see in terms of Josh Boyer really taking over the reins as the defensive coordinator and play caller full-time, really having more autonomy and power than he had when Brian Forrest was here. And we all know the influence that Brian Forrest had on this defense. Um, so wrinkles, do we see more moment, man? Do we see more zone? Um, do we see less blitzing? We knew that this is one of the, this was one of the more, uh, blitz happy units last season um i think in the first half of the season um sometimes it worked against them in the second half of the season things really clicked especially once they got Xavier howard and byron jones healthy um do we see more maybe more blitzing i mean uh i guess they, they could still go up i know they were top five in blitz uh pressure their their blitz rate but they, they could they could go up um i think that you know Early on, a lot of players, and especially Josh Boyer, they've been very coy and very quiet and kind of secretive about what, um, you know, maybe some new looks that they give. But I think that for the most part, they've said that, um, you know, this is a defense that's going to look very similar to, to what we've had in, in past years because we had that continuity. I mean, there's a reason why they brought everybody back and they brought Josh Boyer back. Um, but nonetheless, you know, um, there's a saying that, you know, if you're if you're not getting better, you're not worse. If you're not evolving, you're, you're getting, you know, people are, are going to get ahead of you. Um, so I, I do expect in some way, shape, or form. I do expect some new looks or some wrinkles or just maybe a switch up every once in a while. You know, the, the blitz is the Dolphins defense fastball, so to speak. Um, but I think it is important to kind of have that change up, you know, being able to get to the passer with just four or five guys and maybe not relying on blitzing so much and putting so much pressure on their cornerbacks. I think that definitely there's a little bit more versatility that um, this Dolphins defense can tap into. So, um, do we see that during training camp? I mean, I'm not sure. It, it might be a little tough to decipher exactly, you know, how often and uh, the, the exact rate that they're blitzing or playing in man. Um, but definitely during the season, I think that that's something that would be or will be an interesting storyline um, to monitor as Josh Boyer really leads that group in 2022. 
the second storyline that I uh, have kind of pegged for the uh, the next couple of weeks uh, or months, or so I should say, is development of two ascending players. And th- those players are Javon Holland, second-year safety, as well as outside linebacker Jalen Phillips. Um, these two are both poised for extremely productive and potentially breakout second seasons in Miami. Um we saw the impact of both of those guys made as rookies. Um, Javon Holland really stepping into that starting safety role um, in the middle of the season. And then uh, Jalen Phillips really, you know, just really getting his footing as the year went on, finishing with eight and a half sacks. Um, and I think that, again, um, they really have potential to, to really break out in, in a defense that already has, you know, some stars and some notable names and, you know, uh, McSavian Howard, Byron Jones and Emmanuel Agba. I think that those guys are really next in line to, to take that next step. Um it was interesting to, to talk to Josh Boyer uh, earlier on in the offseason workout program, and he just kind of praised the growth of those guys, not really, you know, physically, but just mentally, just coming into the facility and the and you know this process for the second uh, for the second straight season, um, knowing you know what to do, how to study how to take care of their body um i think little things like that really adds up um as long as you know just them you know physically getting stronger working on their bodies um i think all that um can really come together for you know great things for two of those guys uh, and again i think that the, the continued upward progression of these of those two players can really take this defense to new heights so, um, you know, we saw last year um, Jalen Phillips kind of, you know, have more of a learning curve, um, you know, as a rookie. He had an injury, spent some time out, um, whereas on the other hand, Javon Hahn um, really caught eyes more often. You know, he, he really started to make a really strong impression as a rookie, and that just carried over into the regular season. Um, you know, I, I definitely would love to see those guys um, just come out and dominate and, and just really assert themselves um, in, in the coming weeks and, and really let it be known that they're ready to take that next step. Because I think that these are both uh, pro caliber players and really in the uh in the case of javon Howard, i think that um there's some all pro potential there as well um so again um there's some questions about you know keeping the and maintaining the you know the the status and the level of play that we've seen the past few years um i think these are two guys that can definitely uh can definitely do that and again take this defense to, to new heights so the third storyline that i'll be watching over the next couple of weeks on defense is how the inside linebacker depth uh, chart shakes out um, again the Dolphins opted for a lot of consistency um, uh, keep retaining all their major free agents in the offseason and that included um, the inside linebacker position where they decided to resign all three of their free agent linebackers that being um, Alandon Roberts, Duke Riley, and Sam McGuavin but they not only did that they drafted and used their first pick in the 2022 NFL draft, select another inside linebacker, that being former Georgia Bulldog Channing Tindo, who I've talked about uh, in previous shows. I think that he's going to be a great fit for this defense, um, but it kind of creates a logjam. Um, and I think that it's going to be interesting to see um, what decisions, you know, the um, the coaches make in terms of um, who they keep and who maybe ends up uh, getting cut um, across the three waves of roster cuts. Um, I think it's clear that, you know, you, ha- you have Jerome Baker, who is kind of the leader of that group. Um, you know, he's his first year um, removed, one year removed from signing a new deal. It's clear that he's the top inside linebacker. And you have a Landon Roberts, who's a, who's a leader. He's another year removed from his ACL injury. Um, so, you know, he talked about how his process um, this offseason is, is so much better because he can really work on his game instead of rehabbing his body. Um, he's a leader, like I said, and he's a guy um, who who is going to be there in those early downs, those 
uh, short yardage downs, um, to be a physical presence, to be a, a run stuffer, a run stopper. Um, but after that, there's still some questions. You know, I would say that entering training camp, I think that Duke Riley is definitely like linebacker three, if that's how you want to put it. Um, he's definitely a guy who I think is on the right side of the bubble. Um, I thought he had a really strong um, debut with the Dolphins, especially in the second half of the season, showing the ability um, to use his speed on defense, but also contribute on special teams. And I thought that that really carried over into the offseason pro offseason workout program where we saw him flying all, all over the field, lining guys up, even making some plays. He got a pick six uh, against Tua on the final day uh, of mandatory minicamp. Um, so I think that he's a guy who, you know, you might think he's on the bubble. I think he's on the right side of the bubble. He's closer to a lock than he is to not making this team. Um, I think that um, it's definitely going to be hard for Channing Tindall to, to, to overtake him on the depth chart um, just because he has that continuity and that knowledge of the, of the defense. Um, but with Channing Tindall, I think that there is still going to be a role for him. You know, Josh Boyer talked about throwing everything at the young player's plate and then finding what works for him. You know, they're going to find an early niche role for him, um, but they're going to put so much on his plate with the hope that in the weeks and months to come, um, um, he's able to really develop into that that three down linebacker that they think he has the potential to uh, to be. Um, so definitely, as I said before, with Channing Tindall, I think that there's definitely um, some roles for him as um, you know a, a blitzer. You know, he ran like a four four at the combine, one of the fastest times. I think there's a lot of potential for him as a blitzer. Maybe use him as a spy um, against guys like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, who uh, the Dolphins are going to see on the schedule. And then over time, just get him more comfortable with this defense. And, and then hopefully he can contribute in, in uh, against the pass, against the run. And again, be really be that that uh, every down linebacker. I think that the Dolphins kind of hope is that, you know, they have their linebacker tandem of the future with Jerome Baker and Alandon Roberts, two guys, excuse me, Alandon, uh, Jerome Baker and Channing Tindall, I should say, um, two guys who have the speed to go sideline to sideline, but also have the versatility to kind of um, hold up against the run and the pass. Um, but again, I think that it's definitely going to be a learning process for Channing Tindall. I don't think that they're going to hand him, um, you know, 40 snaps a game right off the bat. He's definitely going to have to have to earn it. Um, and even if maybe he's not ready for that big role um, week one, you still have multiple guys who can uh, who can get the job done. Um, and with that, I mean, I think that leaves another question to say, um, to say what is, you know, the addition of Channing Tindall and the resigning of all these guys mean for a guy like Sam McGuavin, who himself came back on a one-year deal, um, but, you know, he kind of faces a crowded linebacker room now. Um, you know, I think that he's another guy that's on the bubble, but I think that depending on how, um, you know, coaches see him, um, he's another guy that could be on the right side of the bubble. Um, he didn't play much last year um, on defense, but he was, you know, a consistent contributor on special teams. Um, and again, his skill set being a fast, speedy linebacker might be kind of covered with guys like Duke Riley, Jerome Baker, and Channing Tindall. Um, but we saw what he, what Sam Robin could do, you know, when he's put on defense. We saw him have uh, that four sack performance um, in the preseason game last year. Um, so again, I, I think that if Sam Robin makes this uh, makes this roster, which I think that um, there's definitely a, a strong chance of that, um, it's definitely going to be for his uh, his prowess on special teams and just knowing that he's a guy who, when inserted on defense, he can get the job done and he can do a lot of really good things. Um, so it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how that all develops, um, what packages they find for everyone. Um, and I think that while there's not, you know, a ton of questions on defense, that inside linebacker position has been one that, you know, I know a lot of fans have had some questions about, Maybe, um, you know, it, it lacked the the big veteran upgrade that some people sought after in the offseason. I think this is still a really good group um, that can perform well within, you know, the confines of this specific system.
Uh, so we're going to take a short break. When we come back on the other side of things, I'm going to give you my 53-man roster projection for the defensive side of the ball. Um, again, the Dolphins brought back a lot of guys, so there might not be some surprises here. Um, but I think that there are a few guys um, who could really push for roles on this team by the end of the summer. Uh, so stay locked with us. What's going on, everybody? Still here on the Dolphins Net Podcast, talking all things defense ahead of the start of training camp, which for the Dolphins starts Wednesday with their first full team practice. Uh, we're going to hear from Mike McDaniel as well as several players. Um, but in the first half of the pod, I broke down my three storylines for that side of the ball. One being whether there are any new wrinkles that Josh Boyer implements as he kind of takes over uh, this defense fully. Number two, the, the development of Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland in the second year. And number three, how does the inside linebacker depth chart shake out? Um, but on the second half, like I said, I'm going to break down my 53-man roster projection uh, for the defense side of the ball, where I don't think that there are a lot of or a ton of surprises as opposed to the offense side of the ball, um, just given the continuity and all the players they brought back. But I do think that we could see some surprises here and there with some young guys, um, you know, potentially having strong summers and, and establishing roles on this team. Um, but we're going to start with the defensive line where I don't think that there are a ton of questions for this group. You know, I have uh, the Dolphins keeping six guys and six guys that we all saw last year, um, that being Emmanuel Agba, Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Zach Sealer, Adam Butler, and John Jenkins. Um, again, they, you know, they re-signed John Jenkins in the offseason. Um, you know, Agba, they obviously signed Agba to a, to a new big deal. Christian Williams playing on the fifth-year contract, Raekwon Davis entering his third season. And then obviously Zach Sealer returning as that veteran presence that uh, provides great depth for this team. Um, not a ton of questions here. I think the one thing is, does a guy like Benito Jones, who spent the season um, last season on, on the practice squad, does he maybe push for one of those final spots? Do one of the undrafted free agents, Ben Steele, Owen Carney, Jordan Williams, do any of those guys uh, maybe impress and get a final spot on the roster? Um, right now, I'd probably label those guys long shots to maybe being on the bubble, just given the veteran options. Um, but again, that, that's one thing that could happen. Maybe um, a final spot, um, a young guy just impresses to the point where the Dolphins don't want to um, part ways with him. Next is the outside linebacker position. Um, I, again, I don't think that there are a lot of questions here. I have um, the Dolphins retaining Jalen Phillips, obviously, Andrew Van Ginkle, um, new veteran addition, Melvin Ingram III, and then the fourth player, Brennan Scarlett, who they resigned uh, to a one-year deal in the offseason. Um, you know, right now, I, I think that you look at guys like Cameron Good, the seventh-round pick, Darius Hodge, who they acquired off waivers and spent time uh, with the team last season. I think those are guys who are on the bubble. And if the Dolphins kind of want to keep a little more extra depth than usual, um, that they could um, definitely opt to keep one of those guys. But right now, um, I think that there are a lot of snaps that are going to be um, divvied out to Jason. Uh, Jalen Phillips, Andrew Van Ginkle, and Melvin Ingram III as it is. Um, Brendan Scarlett seems like he, he during the offseason uh, workouts, um, he said that he's been spending some time at defensive line. So maybe um, that opens up another spot for a guy like Cameron Good or Darius Hodge or even two guys that I think are long shots in DeAndre uh, Johnson and Porter Gustin. Um, but right now, I think that the outside linebacker uh, room is pretty, pretty defined, um, save one of these guys, young guys, um, you know, obtaining a final roster spot. So at inside linebacker, uh, which is next, um, you know, in the first half of the podcast, I did kind of give my thoughts on, you know, um, the that position group, um, you know, my kind of early depth chart. Um, and right now I, I have the Dolphins or I project the Dolphins to keep four guys. So Jerome Baker, 
Landon Roberts, Duke Riley, and Channing Tindall. Um, I think that, um, you know, just given um, the defined roles for guys like Jerome Baker and Landon Roberts and the fact that, you know, this defense is going to play a lot of sub packages with nickel and dime and keeping uh, extra defensive backs on the roster. I'm just not sure if, uh, you know, there's enough space to keep a fifth guy. Um, Again, if they do, I think that, you know, that's definitely that that fifth spot is definitely Sam McGuavin, a guy who can play special teams and um, we know can contribute um, a bit on defense. Um, right now, I have him on the bubble. It, it would not surprise me if, if he made this roster just because, um, you know, special teams is valuable and um, that does play a role in these decisions. Um, but as it stands, I think that probably um, we see him as one of those final cuts um, and uh, that could go uh, one way or the other. Uh, next is the cornerback position um, where starts, things start to get a little bit interesting. I think that um, the top three players at this position group are definitely obvious. We have Byron Jones, um, who's going to start the year or start the uh, training camp um, on the physically unable to perform list after uh, undergoing offseason surgery for his Achilles. Um, then you have Xavier Howard, who's expected to you know um, be in the lineup for, uh, at training camp after kind of sitting out most of the offseason, uh, uh, you know, uh, practices and whatnot. And then you have Nick Needham who, uh, you know, signed his restricted free agent tender and come returns back as the, the team slot cornerback. Um, so those are obviously the, the top three guys. Um, but I think that there are definitely some questions about um, the depth behind um, the top three cornerbacks. Um, you have a guy like Keon Crossan, who I don't think that, you know, is going to play a, a big role uh, on this team in terms of defense. Um, but he was one of the, the top special teams players, one of the fastest gunners, um, you know, by the advanced uh, metrics um, when he was with the Houston Texans. Um, I think that maybe he's a quote unquote fourth uh, cornerback, but um, may, he might be a little farther down on the depth chart. But um, in terms of, you know, cornerbacks, I think he definitely makes this roster as a core special teams player and maybe a, a backup corner and some pinches. Um, and then you have, and then for me, I have Noah Igbenogany and Sherwood Williams taking up the final two cornerback spots. Um, now, I know that Noah Igbenogany has been a player who's, uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, gar- uh, you know, garnered some frustrations among fans just because um, of his status as a former first round pick, somebody that hasn't really been able to, to crack the lineup. Um, and I, I definitely agree that this is a, this is a pivotal year for, for Noah. I mean, really, it's a pivotal year for all the 2020 first round picks for the Dolphins, all three of them, that being Tua, Austin Jackson, uh, and Noah. Um, but I think that again, with, um, you know, Sam Madison, Pat Sertain with some new position coaches kind of in his ear. Um, I think that there is the potential for him to have, uh, I won't say, you know, a breakout, but maybe a breakthrough of sorts. Um, I think the first step for him is definitely just making sure that he's active on game days because he missed about 10 games last year. Um, and I thought it was very telling and kind of disappointing that the coaches didn't feel um, confident enough in him to have him be active on game days and just play special teams. Um, so again, for me, the first step for him is just to be active on game days and to gain the coach's trust and then to go from there. I think it's going to be pretty tough for him to crack the the starting lineup or um, the defensive rotation just because um, they stick so much in, in those nickel packages. Um, but again, if he's a guy who has a, a strong training camp. I thought he had a pretty solid uh, offseason. If he's a guy that can be active on game days, um, start to show a bit, show a bit during training camp, um, you know, I think that that could bode well for him. And then again, if he's asked to, to step into, um, you know, you know, the line of duty uh, and, and play some snaps, you know, hopefully he's ready for that. 
And then Trill Williams is kind of my final, uh, my final cornerback on this, uh, this projection. Um, a guy who didn't play a ton on defense, but he made this team as an undrafted rookie last year. Um, he's a big physical guy. Um, the team obviously saw something in him. Um, and I, I give him the final sponsor spot. Um, I definitely think that a guy like Elijah Campbell, um, who, who's been around this team, um, Kadir Kohu, an undrafted rookie who was a division two player, but he got a ton of uh, guaranteed money. I think those are definitely guys that uh, you should watch out for as well. Um, it could definitely crack this roster as well. Um, you know, taking that final spot or maybe an extra spot that the coaches decide to give out. Um, so we're going to move on to safety next, where I think that the back end of this position group could also be pretty interesting. Um, Javon Holland, as I spoke about before, as well as Brandon Jones are set to return as starters. And then you have uh, Eric Rowe, uh, the veteran of that group, he returns, and I think that he's going to play uh, significant snaps. I mean, um, I was really surprised to see that he was atop or he was uh, around the top of the of the list last season in tackles. Um, that just speaks to, and especially given you know this kind of part time role, um, that just speaks to you know his you know his professionalism, um, and how you know ready he is and how how much he flies around the football field. I think that we're definitely going to see Eric Rowe like we saw last year in kind of those sub packages, covering tight ends, covering big tight ends, and, and getting that matchup assignment. Um, but after that, I think that, um, you know, after Eric Rowe on the depth chart, I think that there's definitely um, some potential for some shakeup. Um, right now, I have Seljic Redwine and Clayton Fedulum, um getting the final two safety spots. Um, Seljic Redwine. As you all know, uh, a guy, a local guy who um, they signed off waivers last year, um, made he mainly contributed on special teams, um, but he did get some snaps when Javon Holland was out because of COVID for one game last year. Um, I think that he's a guy who kind of, again, steps into that role as a reserve safety special teams contributor. Um, and then I give Clayton Fetchelum the, the last spot just because um, of his fixture on special teams. I mean, he played um, outside of the specialists. I believe he played the, the highest rate of special team snaps last season. Um, so I think that he's definitely a guy that special teams coordinator Danny Crossman is going to make sure um, they keep on the roster, um, even though he he's not really um, a factor on defense. Um, but one guy I think that, um, you know, people should keep their eye out for this summer is uh, Barone McKinley III. Um, we've been writing about him for, for several weeks now um, as a guy who was a ball hawk in college at Oregon. Um, you know, he was tied for the, the, the lead in the country in interceptions last year. And he was really one of the, the best coverage, one of the better coverage safeties in college football over the past couple of seasons. Um, he's a bit undersized, you know, if you compare him to Javon Holland, he's a bit undersized, maybe not as physical in the box, um, which I think can maybe hurt him. But again, I, I think that, you know, if he makes some plays on defense, if he turns some heads on that side of the ball, um, if he, you know, shows that he can be in the right place and make some plays on special teams, which is going to be really, really important for an undrafted guy like him. Maybe he does knock off uh, a guy like Sheldon Redwine or maybe Clayton Fedulum for that last spot. Um, I think that he definitely has a lot of potential. Um, I think that there definitely is a need for kind of a, a backup free safety. Um, you know, Jason McCourty um, was re uh, was not re-signed in the offseason and then obviously um, retired last week. Um, Eric Rowe is more of a you know strong safety around the box guy, kind of in the Brandon Jones mode. So I think that there definitely is uh, the potential for a guy who could spell Javon Holland if you know knock on wood there's an injury or anything like that i think Verone mckinley could potentially be that guy um so that's a guy who i'm definitely looking out for i mean we'll be watching over the the next couple of weeks um and then obviously real quick we you know didn't devote an entire episode to special teams because it's you know it's special teams but um i think that it's pretty clear cut there um the specialist that um will be on this roster come fall um jason sanders at kicker thomas morstead i'm um, at punter and blake ferguson at lock snapper um the team did sign 
um, undrafted uh, free agent Tommy Heatherly, who's who's also a local guy as well. Um, but I, but I definitely think that with more more Stead's experience, he's the guy that we'll see uh, you know punting the ball um, at Hard Rock Stadium uh, you know in the coming months. Um, but you know that's a group that's definitely trying to rebound from last year. You know in 2020. They were one of the better uh, special teams uh, groups in the entire league. Um, you know, obviously Jason Sanders having an R-Pro um, season, um, Jakeem Grant being an R-Pro as well, but um, he, you know, was traded in the middle of last year. Jason Sanders struggled a bit um, last year, um, but special teams is kind of, it's kind of volatile. You know, some years you're good, some years you're bad. Um, the Dolphins are definitely hoping that um, those guys have a bounce back year. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that group shakes out as well, um, because the Dolphins really don't have a, a kick returner or any any, any returner, um, you know, set in stone. You know, they have a lot of guys who have the potential to do that, whether you want to maybe name uh, Jalen Waddle or Tyree Kill or maybe Lim, Lim Bowden Jr. Um, but that's um, maybe kind of one of the, the the few open competitions this summer. So, that you know, there's still some intrigue on the special team side of the ball as well. Um but that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins in Debt podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, football is back. Um, I'm excited. I hope you guys are too. Um, I definitely encourage you guys to subscribe to the Miami Herald. Um, we're going to have a ton of content day in and day out, really starting Wednesday to whenever this, whenever this season ends. You know, I know a lot of Dolphins fans are hoping, all Dolphins fans are hoping that um, it results in a, in a, in a pretty lengthy uh, playoff run. Um, but, you know, starting now up until whenever this season ends, we're going to have daily content um, for you guys. So definitely subscribe to the MiamiHero.com um, and subscribe to the uh, Miami Hero YouTube page. Like I said, subscribe, uh, like, share, comment below. Um, give me your thoughts on the episode of my projection. I want to hear from you guys. So definitely do that. Um, but we'll be back next week to talk first week of training camp, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. Um, excited for it. Uh, maybe I'll see you, some of you guys at the first open practice on Saturday. Uh, but until, until then, you guys take care. See ya.